Test, one, two, test, test, test. Why would that, that's my question, test, 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 one, two, three. That may be it, right there. Hey, this is Troy here with our second episode of Audio Input Podcast. Uh, joining me are the same people as last time, with one exception. Uh, we have Clayton Ambrose here again. Hi. Shay Salgado. Hello. And replacing Alex, we have Jacob Carter. <coughs> Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. For for the episode, he sounded like it was he was replacing her. No, forever. permanently. <laughs> good to there's be there. She <laughs> hasn't been excommunicated <laughs> or anything. No, we're cool with her. <laughs> I don't know if there's really like... I don't even know if there's really like a, a set group because it's only a set right. So, you know, it's kind of just going as we go. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start we're that. Ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to start this discussion talking about something that's big, especially in Austin with uh, the recent cancellation of Sound on Sound Fest, which we talked about last year lovingly. Not last year, last podcast lovingly. About the festival that happened last year. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, smaller fests being canceled. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, well, I, I guess, like, I mean, included in this discussion is uh, Levitation getting canceled last year because they're kind of yeah. of the same genre. But mm-hmm. um, I think what's happening here is just kind of these high-risk, high-reward festivals are seeing kind of the other side of it because, like, ACL is safe. Yeah. Like, it's in a good location. They're always going to get people. Nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, like, Sound on Sound is a little more daring. Like, they got, like, a Renaissance Fair going in the middle of the forest and, like... Basically, like, the biggest threat to festivals is weather. And Levitation and Sound on Sound are completely vulnerable to flooding yeah. and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So if it pays off, it's great. So but yeah, Sound on Sound had that one big uh, that flood on Sunday. I think they handled it pretty well. Mm-hmm. They didn't, like, shut the whole thing down. They just, like, delayed some bands. Um, but, yeah, it really is. I think it really is just, like, a, like a financial thing more than anything. Like, they just – their investors don't think that a festival like that is going to be popular and Mm -hmm. it leaves people who really want a festival like that kind of with nothing well um i know isn't there a ban on festivals that was established a few years ago like from the areas like from like like i don't know from like mopac to 35 and like from like barton springs up to like i'm it's a real thing i swear um but yeah, basically that but that prime like auditorium shores Zilker Park is kind of like closed off to any mm-hmm. newer festivals and um, I don't know. So you get like Levitation was out like at the creek, like at Carson Creek, and mm-hmm. it's kind of a remote location. I remember going out there the first year, at, at, not the first year, but in in 2015, and um and especially like Sound on Sound being in like McDade, Texas, yeah, like yeah. 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean like as a college student, the biggest barrier for me is i can't afford to go to any of these things you know (laughs) it's not it's not for lack of like a good lineup or the timing or anything it's just i can't drop two hundred dollars to go to a a three-day music festival you know well i mean like for me it's like sound sound is is effectively replacing fun 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 fest and fun 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 fest had more of a kind of punk slash rock emphasis which was more like my my alley but sound on sound kind of tries to hit a little bit of everything which is fine and that'll bring more of a crowd it's kind of got like a acl like spread of genres a lot of hip-hop a lot of popular acts and that kind of thing but like that's not my type of spend 200 dollars for the weekend festival mm-hmm. yeah i just i just wish fun 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 fest wasn't dead 
makes me so sad. Yeah, I've I've heard I've heard rumors that like they they like renewed they like re-upped their spot at the Atlantic Shores, but there's like a rumor in some article. I don't know. It would be crazy though. Well, I imagine what happened because like the um, the people in transmission events split off and formed Margin Walker. Mm-hmm. The, the people from the booking company. I imagine it had something to do with that because transmission booked all the fun fun fest gigs, and now Margin Walker books all the big texas gigs so i imagine there was probably a a split at some point yeah i wonder i wonder if this is like an issue like outside of austin okay it'd be cool to know i I feel like i I still see like random tiny festivals because it was like there was like that desert days in california that like some people tried to invite our station to but it was like in la so we didn't go but it had like a very similar lineup to this year's sound on sound it had like iggy pop and like oh yeah no that lineup was really great i think av terror was there panda bear was there or something like that i mean like this would be me speaking from my very texas centric point of view but i think acl is kind of like the premier music festival like for for general audiences like for the everyman to come down i think it's like the premier music festival in america i think you think it what about um what do you think there's rather than sort of like a premier model what about a, like a big three like Lollapalooza and Coachella being thrown in there as well oh yeah no doubt definitely I for some reason those slipped my mind but Coachella and Lollapalooza are definitely like in that same tier of yeah. festival um does South by Southwest even fit in that it's a category it, anymore because of like their just the, the format of it being over like a week it's sort of hard to to compare it's so all over the place too yeah, Levitation's kind of kind of done that. I don't know if you saw they like yeah. Levitation's doing like multiple shows mm-hmm. downtown like instead of uh Which is sort of what Sound on Sound's doing to I guess make up and I mean that's the that's festival, I mean that's cool. okay when your festival's canceled. I but I don't know, that's kind of like an odd move to do like for your festival. Like Yeah. I mean Sound on Sound does that mostly just because it kind of happens. Like bands show up and there's like random shows across the city, but to be like we're having a festival, but it's all over the city. Like it's it's kind of um, it's it's an odd. interesting take. I mean, it, maybe it might end up replacing the big fest. Cause I feel like it's cheaper. You don't have to like yeah, get the security true. and like the. I mean, it might it might be like the replacement option for those smaller festivals because I don't think ACL's format's like going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Just because that was like um, like you know the the capacity of the venues that they're holding obviously not as big as an open field. So, I mean, I, that's probably going to be a problem, I think, that, that happens. Like, you're going to have have bought the tickets to, to, uh, to was it, Levitation, right? Hmm. right. You're like, I couldn't get into, like, who so-and-so show is a capacity, even though I bought the pass. Yeah. That, that, that does suck, because kind of the cool thing about festivals is, like, everybody can get on it. Because, mm-hmm. like, physically, like, the space is so big, everybody can fit in. But, like, I, I know, like... It's, it's happening for sound on sound, but those bigger acts are probably going to go to the Moody Theater, I imagine, because that's, that's where Grizzly Bear's going for sound on sound. Yeah. And that's like, it's it's like a premiere venue, but it's like, it's pretty small. Like, there's not a lot of space, especially for yeah, like the kind of crowd that Grizzly yeah, Bear I, would I draw at a festival. I can't imagine like that even getting close to comparing to like the numbers they would draw at the festival. Right. Like, it is such like a very short venue. It's, it's, it's yeah. kind of sad, because... I mean, I, I festivals are kind of exhausting to me unless there's like a band that I really want to see. But I think like the experience of just kind of having like this field where you go and frolic in and listen to music is very mm-hmm. is something that you don't really get yeah. from anywhere else. Do you guys think the issue might be that like the market 
is a little oversaturated, especially here in like central Texas. Cause I mean, we have Austin and we have all these other, um, you know, offshoot festivals that are happening uh, besides ACL and mm-hmm. uh, South by and everything. Yeah. I think having like one good, like more like alternative to ACL would be cool. I think we're kind of losing all of them. I mean, it's, it's not like, what, what was the reasons for sound on sound canceling? They said it was cause an investor pulled out. Okay. Um, Okay, well, well, in that case, like, there might not be much demand for sound on sound, or somebody saw that there wouldn't be much demand for sound on sound. But in the case of Levitation, like, they got canceled. Like, it wasn't their fault. So, I mean, like, I don't think it's, like, these vessels are necessarily dying off, and I think there will always be alternatives. They just need to, like, maybe plan a little better. Maybe not hold a festival by a river, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's always, there's, like, that, uh, that day for night in Houston, that looks really good this year. Really so. dope. Great. It's always great fast. Yeah. 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 Oh, last um, year was good, too. Right. Last year was great, yeah. Apex Twin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a video of that show, and it looked fantastic. It was a I saw um, One of Tricks Point Never, and I thought he'd come oh. out and do like his One of Tricks Point Never thing, but he instead like did all these weird vocalizations. Like, Have you seen videos of him at Day for Night last year? Mm-hmm. Like, he kind of... It was like... um. He was kind of just like screaming. I I don't exactly know how to describe it. Like sounds pretty par for the course for Apex Twin. <laughs> uh, this was one of Shook's point never, which it was par for the course for him, because like like I was even like ready to just like take in something sort of abstract, but he just like really pushed it beyond my expectations. Oh, he's um, to where I was like, Ugh. he's kind of coming up right now, and he deserves it because he's really great. Yeah. He just made a movie soundtrack this year, which is really good. I was like, play Chrome Country, dude. I don't <laughs> hear this. Play Chrome Country, man. Our uh our second topic we're gonna jump into here uh is one we're gonna talk about probably most of this podcast. We're gonna go through our personal all time favorite. Yeah. Just a little oh, kinda let y'all history. get to know us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we're kinda voices on a screen, but we want an intimate relationship with you guys. Yeah. We're ready to go steady. Not too much so. <laughs> <laughs> I have relationship issues. This can't go very far. Mm-hmm. So we've only in lieu in lieu in light of that because we don't want to get that far. Only three albums that we love, you know? Yeah. Right. Maybe a few extra mentions. <laughs> yeah, some honorable mentions. There. There. Maybe if you prove there. to me that you won't hurt me, you can get the top ten. If, yeah, but we'll if see. You, yeah, <laughs> if you prove yourself, you can get that top ten list. <laughs> you you got to earn it. All right. Um, who wants to start? I'll go ahead and start with a couple. Um, probably my favorite album, and uh, one that is um, a little more, like, niche, I would say. But it's just something that, like, I really connected to like early when I was getting into music and like mm-hmm. there's still just like a small band that I can just see them all the time and it's a uh, uh, band called AJJ used to be called Andrew Jackson Jihad uh, but changed their name for sensitivity reasons I believe uh, and their album People Who Can Eat People are the luckiest people in the world. Um, it's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. It's actually based on a quote from an author called Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, who I also have a quote from on my arm. He has a so it goes with the little star. I do. It's a very basic tattoo. <laughs> nah, rock it, dude. It's a good tattoo, though. It's a good, I mean, good tattoo, good book. I actually didn't know that was a Kervonica quote. So. People, people, it's from uh, God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater. I've book. never read that one. So it's a good book. Um, it's my favorite author. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're familiar with it, too. Yeah. Yes, um, I, I like that album a lot. That album is kind of... It kind of holds the same importance to me, like in terms of like the time it came into my life. Yeah, like, yeah. As I listened to it the first time, like tenth grade, something like that. Same for me. 
and I've I've got super strong memories of me like driving to school like from my lunch break in high school and listening to it and like screaming along to yeah, like, it just, people it just, too it just and hits you it thing. just hits you so quick with like the energy you don't expect it because it looks like a folk album mm-hmm. and like you're like oh this is a folk band mm-hmm. and it just hits you with like 30 minutes like no no stop all the tracks lead into each other 30 minutes of like really angsty like yelling at you but like with really or like really catchy like it's 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 a really chorus. rough album it's, it's really pretty rough. rough it's really like it sounds like it was done in like one take in like someone's studio but it's it's they do it really well it's it's definitely it's not for everybody like i think that this one of those bands like you kind of got to get used to the sound a little bit because it's very abrasive and he's got uh, Sean Bonnet, I believe is his Sean name. Bonnet, yeah. He's got a very abrasive voice. Very abrasive voice. He sings a lot. Also, he sings like s- almost so personal that like you don't want to hear. It. Like it's not quite as much as like some other artists, but like um, very personal. Well, his his lyrics are very. It's, it's it's kind of like reaching down like into that real dirty spot of humanity and yeah, like yeah. just talking about how gross of a person you are and yeah, yeah, yeah. how bad of a person you but are. But he, he balances it out because he kinda he'll kinda have like some songs that like drag you down and some songs that like inspire hope and they'll drag you down again. It's really a journey. Um it's mm-hmm. one it's one that I'm gonna recommend over this microphone right now. <laughs> Alright. Yeah. You wanna go with one? Oh are we gonna do that? Okay. That's um to me. Well I, I guess um I'll go with my favorite album by my favorite band, uh, Get Warmer, by Bomb the Music Industry. And uh, most of what I say about this album will probably be able to apply to the band as a whole. But basically, it's just such a genuine album. And it comes from a, a spot of such just realness and such intensity. And it's it, it, like ba- basically the concept of the album is that Jeff Rosenstock, the singer of the band, he moved to Georgia. And the whole album is basically about him, like, moving there and getting excited about it and subsequently becoming disillusioned and realizing that he can't run away from his problems and that kind of thing. And it's uh, just to talk about the lyrics first, like, it's, a lot of it is so very specific and so very, like, from his life that it's almost like you wouldn't be able to relate to it. But, like, it's almost so far in that it becomes out. Like, the, the things that he talks about are universal, just about, like, I don't know, feeling alone and just kind of ennui type stuff that you would get from a lot of albums in the genre, in that kind of genre, but just not as, doesn't hit as hard, for me at least. The album itself, like musically, it's, I guess you would consider it a ska punk album, which, hold on, don't don't get turned yeah. off yet. Yeah, I, I know was, that's kind I'm of like a red flag mouth. for some people. Literally, <laughs> literally open Twitter right now just to scroll. While you it's talk. it's it's not as <laughs> it's not as ska as his previous band. It's not as ska as the previous albums, but there are ska songs on it, and that would probably be the genre it'd be placed under. But All it's right. it's very like it's not it's not your grandfather's ska. This isn't mighty mighty boss like, tones here, like but leftover crack. Yeah, this isn't leftover crack. This isn't anything like that. It's it's very it's a mix of genres. There's like some big like piano rock songs and there's some cool. just like straight up like really fast like punk songs and it's it's a, it's a good mix in there and it was it, it's, it's kind of got a unique feel to it because his previous three albums were all recorded by himself uh with the sequencer for the drums and synthesizers and that kind of thing but this is the first album that he has a full band on or at the very least a live drummer on and so it's there's this interesting in between like where he tries to recreate, re- almost like recreate the sound from those like 
previous albums, but like with real people. It's like trying to do a machine's work with a person. And so it's, it's still as hectic, but it's a lot more like fleshy. It's a lot more raw. And it, it just, man, it's just great. It's, it's a lot of scream along songs, which are great. That sounds kind of a dip in the energy in the room when you mentioned ska. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, like me, uh, me personally, I'll defend ska till the end. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm a ska apologist. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I, yeah, that's a great album. Uh, I love uh, everything Jeff Rosenstock does. He's a great artist. Um, he, he feels, uh, a lot of his stuff feels very raw. Um, you know, like I, it's, it's pretty commonplace in music to have people like their voice breaking or whatever, you know, while they're recording a song. But when he does it in a song, I, I almost want, it's like, it's so severe. It's like, dude, stop. You're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> like, no, yeah, yeah. The song, the songs are very personal. Like, and like, like I said, it's very specific to his life, but it, it's not inaccessible. And like, I think that kind of spot of genuineness, genuity, whatever, it comes from like, and I won't talk too much about this, but like Bond Music Industries, like businesses practices and kind of their philosophy about like art being for everybody and music being for everybody. And it's not meant to be like a corporate means to get you to buy a shirt, even though I'm wearing a band shirt right now, or like a means to like sell you a product. Like it's about the music and it's like for everybody. And I think being able to kind of, because they, they sold all their albums for free and they didn't sell merch, they didn't do any of that kind of stuff. And so to be able to be the kind of person that would put yourself out there like that, I think definitely that kind of music would be expected from someone like that. But yeah, I kind of rambled a bit on that one. But yeah, that's about all I have to say about it, I think. All right. Um, for my first entry, I picked them. Um, I knew I had to pick like a Pavement album because Pavement, I mean, they're like my top five bands. I think. Um, and right now, just the, the Pavement album with all the songs I want to listen to right now is Wowie Zowie. Um, used to be Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, but now it's Wowie Zowie. Um, which I think a lot of people think of when they think of Wowie Zowie. Um, think of songs like Brink's Job and think of songs like Serpentine Pad, which are, um, I don't know, useless. <laughs> they, they got, no, they're, they're cool. But no, but like the absolute, like some of the best songs Pavement um ever wrote or on that record like grounded blackout um pueblo is on there oh father to a sister of thought which is important for me because like that when i heard um that pedal steel solo for like the f well not the pedal steel solo i guess but the pedal steel in the chorus for, like the first time i was like wow hmm country <laughs> what if hmm. what if country could be good i think it <laughs> might be and that really opened up like a whole new world for me like pavement where like oddly enough, my bridge into um, accepting country music, like letting go of my childhood bias. Gateway drug in the country. Gateway drug in the country, which I'll talk about later, Graham Parsons. Um, but uh, I, I um, my man to my right said uh, some disparaging things about Wowie Zowie. <laughs> nothing, so. nothing disparaging, let's, let's exactly. Battle. But Wowie Zowie is, is I'm, I'm a big pavement fan as well. Yeah. And Wowie Zowie is my least favorite pavement album mm -hmm. although i maintain that all their albums are eight and up yeah. like on a, oh, on yeah. a rating scale mm -hmm. but I, I guess that album just never connected with me as well like I'm, I'm in the point where you are like my favorite pavement album is crooked rain crooked rain yeah and so maybe like at some point i'll make my way down to that one because yeah 
I don't know, like second favorite, Slant Enchanted, and right. then yeah. Terra Twilight, then Bright in the Corners, then Wowie Zowie. All great mm-hmm. albums, but yeah. I guess Wowie Zowie feels a little more out there, I guess. The songwriting yeah. is a lot more sporadic and a lot more experimental. It, it Well, what that ends up being to me is, um, like, uh, I mean, I know I call them useless, but like um, songs like Serpentine Pad, Brink's Job, um, you know, just like one minute 30 second just like little i wouldn't even know what to call them i guess um forays into another sound Mm -hmm. um it ends up just like i just indulge it i'm like yeah like like this is when when stephen malkmus talks about wow he's out and he calls like the last classic pavement record and i guess that referring to like the looseness i guess like i mean brink's job serpentine pad there's more songs like this i know some more but you know i just won't name them no, like I, that's that's sort of they embody that spirit I guess and um I don't know in a way that I mean in my opinion it I mean not by much but it kind of does go downhill a little bit after Wowie Zowie. I mean I, I can see what you mean by like the last classic pavement album because mm-hmm. Bright in the Corners and Terror Twilight are a lot tighter and a lot more yeah. clean than that album but I, I guess like with Wowie Zowie like where else would they go because like Crooked Rain yeah. Crooked Rain is like pretty much like the perfect like pop rock album yeah and, like so i i understand their kind of drive to make something more unique instead of just recreating Cooked yeah. Rain, Rain. i guess that's sort of like um my angle i guess is that um slanted and enchanted um which i i think i'd rank that above for me uh crooked rain i guess but for a long time my my favorite was crooked rain because it had like those melodic pop songs you know and I think that um, if you filtered out all like the minute, thirty second stuff on Wowie Zowie, like you'd get, I think a a, a better Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, because um, like the the aforementioned tracks like Blackout, Father Juices, like some of their, I don't know, just best pop songs. And so, I had to put a pavement album on there, and it had to be Wowie Zowie. Yeah, I guess just to surmise, like. That that's kind of payment strength is making just totally excellent pop songs, yeah. but like pushing that boundary a little further and mm-hmm. creating something that's entirely new and entirely great. So if you don't listen to payment, yeah, and I uh, listen to him. last word. There's like a, a like a little western theme um, that comes up throughout songs in the album, like just like little uh, signifiers, I guess, that point to like a uh, western theme stuff, and I'm I'm pretty into that right now so <laughs> that's you all right um so i am a uh white man in his <laughs> 20s i have a goatee and i wear thick rimmed glasses so as you may have guessed one of my favorite albums is the blue album by weezer <laughs> we all, cool. all yeah that describes two other of us in the room yeah <laughs> basically uh very diverse podcast we have going on here <laughs> yeah. um no, this is a, an album I first listened to like in high school, which is like, when I was first really getting into music. And it's the first album I can remember where at some point every song on the album was my favorite song on the album, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, I guess, just important to me in that way. Like, I feel like I have a connection to it kind of in that from there I kind of branched out into other kinds of music, you know? Yeah, for me it's definitely like, it's one of those albums like I'll forget that I love so much, but then like I'll put it on one day and be like, oh yeah, I love every single one of these songs. Like was yeah. my favorite song at one point, like when I was in late high school, and like I can't not still love it. It's a great like getting into music album. Like um, 
like it's the album that like I sort of like sprang off of and was like um like a big development in my musical stuff was getting into like the 90s in high school in, mm-hmm. in middle school as middle schoolers do and I think what launched me into that was like um undone sweater song and say right. so yeah right. yeah I mean like we were just talking about like perfect pop songs that album is yeah chock full of them yeah and like this, this, the songwriting on that album is so impeccable because it's such an accessible album, which explains why a lot of us and a lot more people outside of this room have, it's kind of a jumping off point into a lot of other things. And yeah. it was their first, like, critically acclaimed, like, serious music album because, like, it's 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 really just a pop album. Like, and yeah. I think people want to try to, might try to make it something it's not by, like, claiming it as like an alternative rock masterpiece and that it kind of transcends the bounds but i think it's just really like a testament to what happens when you just have really really good pop songs on an album it i i wouldn't call it like super ambitious as an album or anything but it's it's so it's you know it's tight and there's like some real emotion behind it and it's catchy above all else yeah um it's yeah it's a solid collection of songs and I think the interesting thing to me is, like, that album is not too entirely different from the rest of Weezer's output. And I'm not talking about in quality, because, like, there's that slight difference that makes the Blue album so great. Mm-hmm. But if one thing were to go wrong, you get, like, a ratitude. And it's it's that, like, Weezer is driven by Rivers Cuomo's songwriting. And when it's at its peak, you get the Blue Album. But when it's just off, when he just wants to make like lazy songs, then you get songs like that. So it's it's really... Yeah. Songs it, like Gratitude? Albums like Gratitude. Albums like Gratitude. Song, I'm Your Daddy. Songs like I'm Your Daddy. Songs like Can't Stop Partying featuring Can't Lil Stop. Wayne. Yeah. But that's for another time. No hate. How do you guys feel about <laughs> Island in the Sun? Because I found this is more divisive than I thought it was. I, th- I think that is, yeah. I think... That is a pretty. I think. Well, what do you guys think? Oh, about I think that's a solid song. It's uh, not. It's not in my favorite. It's not in my favorites. It's. I don't like. I guess I think it is a solid song, but I the album that it comes off of is certainly not <laughs> a solid album, and I think that's probably people's gripe with it. I think. I, th- I think the Green album is decent, but a, a lot of it is like Rivers picking up the pieces after Pinkerton and all that came after that, yeah, and so. I, I kind of attribute, like, the decentness of that album to Rivers still having, like, a bit of songwriting talent left in the bank. And so he was able to, like, carry an album off of that alone just one more time mm-hmm. before th- Maladroit came and out. And then they amped it up and they released Maladroit and it was great. And Maladroit's, and, and kind, he, of, and Maladroit's <laughs> kind of bad. Don't listen to it. And it was good. <laughs> Island in the Sun is a bad song. Oh, <laughs> <It's> whoa. <laughs> <It's> not good. <laughs> I thought I didn't. I thought we were like, oh, it's not divisive. We all agree it's good. <laughs> no, no, this, this is, is where the divisive. This right. comes from. Well, yeah. let's um, quick aside. Let's talk about it. What's State up? your case. Yeah. It's uh, bad. <laughs> all right, all right. I see. What you're, I see. Um, I, I don't know. I. It's hard for me to qualify like why exactly I dislike it. It's just kind of maybe it was the maybe it's the thing where it's like I just had enough of Weezer at that point. I heard that song and it just put me over the edge. Like, okay, shut up. Like I'll say that um, that half pipe is a bad song, but I think the island in the pipe. sun, yeah, hash pipe is, is a bad song. But I'd say that it's kind of a bad song. I don't think hash pipe's a bad song either. I think hash pipe is better than island. <laughs> no, I think island in the sun clearly the winner. Album like the only album highlight 
that that one has. Like, what are you gonna, what else? Like, Crab, are you gonna listen to on the Green Album? Crab's really bad. Like, uh, Oh Girlfriend. What, what is that song, Knockdown Drag Out? Knockdown Drag Out. That's a pretty good song. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's a solid five, which right, is yeah, fine. I'm coming out right now. Uh, make Believe is, yeah, I like Make Believe. What? I think the Make, <laughs> I think the make Believe, like, it has some solid tracks. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I do have a Make Believe apologist. If it's make okay believe. with you, I'd like to talk about make believe. <laughs> yeah, 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 make believe. Make believe has it has a couple. I think it has some good okay, songs. So. Like, um, I I couldn't name them right now, but uh, um, perfect situation I think is like a top pop Weezer song. Like, and then I don't know. There's other songs in that. Like, um, freak me out. Uh, what else? I'd have to check. It's it's it actually has been like ten years since I listened to it. <laughs> But I, I will no, defend I, it. I mean, I don't, I don't, like, I don't know enough about. Like, I don't not enough into this album to like completely be on his side. But oh yeah, no, peace is good. This is such a pity is good. I think the haunt you every day. I remember liking that one. I think I remember liking pardon me and my best friend. I think though. But so if those songs are bad, don't, don't make believe as an entire album is very bad, extremely bad. I, I think would say. I think white album was a pretty good like return. Did you guys hear that one? White Album's pretty good. I White like White Album. He kind of brought back his, like, Blue Album, like, power pop songs I a little s- bit. Still I Stand By the 24th, make um, everything will be all right in the end. That, right one, that one's pretty good. White Album's, yeah. but both of those albums are pretty good. I heard that a lot about the White Album, but I, I mean, I thought it was okay, but I never really had the same love for it that I feel like a lot of other people did. Yeah. I, I just loved, he, he had, like, the, the really good choruses, which, like, he does so well. Yeah. Sometimes when he does them well, he does them really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think White Album brought back like the super catchy chorus. Well, I think it was him kind of proving that he still had a little bit left yeah. in him, like yeah. which is sad because I don't think we're ever gonna see it again. But I don't know. What I like about Weezer is like his blatant like eschewing of like music mysticism. And just like being like, yeah, I sat in my room and listened to a bunch of songs and like tracked the notes and the melody. And then like tried to apply those notes to like make like the perfect melody, <laughs> and then I like tried to like make the chords like you know I tried to just get the best possible harmonic progression. See, see, that's and it's just like I just like that because like, like just notions like oh you gotta feel it. It's like nah, like you can like get like pretty like mathematical. You can get pretty like you know systematic with music. I, I think I think cool. that's kind of like a double-edged sword because mm. like within that process you do get the blue album and Pinkerton and that kind of thing but then you get like cold and calculated pop rock albums like Ratitude that are just so obviously like pandering to the trends of the time and and it it makes the the problem with the Rivers Cuomo was after Pinkerton he played it safe for his entire career like he showed like a spot of a moment where he could branch out and do something different from the blue album and it got ripped to pieces by fans and he never did it again and that's why we have albums like make believe which are just solid boring blandness oh because well. okay <laughs> well let us know in the comment section below this is the weezer cast all your weezer opinions. if you defend make believe also put your address because i'm coming to square up because i'll send you something i'll send you the make believe album because you probably don't have it no, why would anybody my mom has it you know so yeah, I didn't mean that. to tear this podcast apart when I no, said that. Was, <laughs> this was Weezer is like they're like a hugely divisive band. Like at my height of Weezer fandom, I was on like the I had a membership on Weezerpedia.com, and I was also in the Weezer fan club on the website. I'm sorry, Weezer. People, yeah. people were fighting. <laughs> no, there was like a wiki. 
and it's like um it's just filled with Weezer info and it's like pretty expansive. Like they have a pretty rapid fan base, but people were fighting like all the time. Yeah. Had to, be, had to be brought up at some point, so I mean what did you expect? We're all like twenty year old college rock fans. Yeah, like at some point we all had a heated discussion kind of about Weezer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We'll go ahead and jump in with uh my next entry. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Getting out of this Weezer. Talk. I'm going to talk about uh, Sound of Silver by LCD Sound System, great, which great is stuff. one that I brought up last time just while we were talking about their new album. It's just such a good, like, combination of so many, so many different sounds. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it brings in, like, obviously he's very influenced by, like, the whole new wave um, thing, but he also brings in a lot of funk, um, like, disco remnants. Mm -hmm. um, and just makes these like super long like tracks with like some like kind of like super slow moment with some super like almost like abstract like just building moments and then just yeah. like super big hooks. It's just mm -hmm. super fun to listen to, but also like there's a lot of um, a lot of complexity and like the influences. Yeah. Also, it's only nine tracks, but it's like an hour and a half long. The tracks are like ten minutes long. It's when when it's you started, I thought you were gonna say it's just such a good album, and I was like, well, there you go. But um, I'm uh, for me, this is happening. I think is a lot better than Sound of Silver, even though I think Sound of Silver is great. Um, I think it's been talked to death, but All My Friends is one of the greatest yeah. piano rock songs ever Absolutely. written of all time. Someone Great is good. Yeah. New York, I Love You, where you're bringing me down, is in that yeah. same category, but. I guess some of the other songs feel a little forgettable to me. Um, other than like, God, what else? Like is the, that the Us V Them and like Watch the Tapes. Back the, to back. Those two are kind of like. Super I don't know. I think that if you're because I got into it when I was like getting like really into dance music, and um, I think he like hits those late '70s like boxes, and I I don't know. Like um, for me, those songs were never like footnotes. Like those songs were like the peaks for me. To me, like um. I don't know, like, uh, what's that one? Um, North North American Scum. Yeah, yeah. Was I like sort of one. like a, a footnote to me, but Us V Them was huge. Um, I would like, like when my roommate was out, I would kind of like, I would groove to it in my freshman dorm. Like, yeah. I mean, like, maybe I need to revisit the album to kind of rediscover those tracks. But honestly, like, those three that I mentioned, like, are enough to carry the entire album. Yeah, like, yeah, are worth yeah. it. Like, I remember... <laughs> I remember listening to all my friends on the way in my parents' car to my graduation, and that uh, felt it was ooh, like that's big. I felt like I was in like a Richard Linklater film it's, or something. It's, it's <laughs> the new Good Riddance. I, w I would say so, but it's a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you guys play Good Riddance at your high school graduation parties? I can't remember. You think I went to parties in high we, school? We played. We played um, on my way by Twisted Root. That's a pretty good one. Good oh one. god! Was, we, 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 our school voted on this. Well, we went to um, Project Grad. Did you go to Project Grad? I did. Me I did and me Grad. and um, me and Jacob went to the same high school. Uh, yeah, that's cool. So we have this shared experience. A big a big bond. But I mean, did you really graduate high school if you didn't listen to Good Riddance? I think it probably played at one point during. Well, the I, I mean, to the whole thing, it probably played once. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't listen to it at any time near graduation. But I was a Green Day fan in high school, so I listened Green to Day's it not enough. Bad, you know. They yeah, got, have their they if got you if you guys want to get into moments. a Green Day discussion, no, no, that would be something. We'll say that for another time. Now. I will. I will get into a Green Day discussion with you for sure. I will, yeah. but uh, not we're LCD we're sound system. Is what LCD we're sound about. system. Um, I guess he really he really wears his influences, but he wears them so well, and mm -hmm. you can tell he loves them. And mm -hmm. um, well, 
Also, you can dance to his, his music. He just yeah. has like a really like interesting take on what a dance song is. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think it's like kind of electronic dance music, but with a lot of heart behind it. It's not yeah, just exactly. kind of like cold club music. It's it's very it's very passionate, despite well, it being. There's stuff to be said for cold cold cold, cold club music. Like it's it's all dope. Well, I mean that's that's like a separate discussion, but I'm like. I, I, I don't mind dance music. I don't listen to it all the time. You're talking to a techno fan, bro. <laughs> Watch your I don't know anything about techno, so I'm not going to fight you on anything. <laughs> but um, but that, that's one of the reasons why bands like LCD Sound System kind of strike me in a different way than that music, because it tackles it from a different angle in a way that makes like yeah. techno music pretty inaccessible to me. Yeah, I remember like, I remember, like dancing to uh, like some of the tracks in that album, like all, all my friends especially, and like, you suddenly just like actually pay attention to like one line and you're like, Oh God. Yeah. Is this, should I be dancing? Should I be, should I not be crying to this? <laughs> which, which someone great or which one did you say? Someone, someone great is def- uh, someone, all my friends when I said, but someone great oh, is yeah. like a w- even a better example. Someone great is like definitely like about someone dying. Like, it's, it's about, well, it's, 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 a, it's about a lot of things. I think I've I heard think. that it's about his therapist dying. Yeah. I I've totally heard. got from those lyrics that like someone is someone dead. that like someone that he like when someone great confides is a lot in he's mm-hmm. like, I wish we could talk about it, but there, that's the issue. Like oh. someone that he, someone that he Ooh. would go to if someone nice. died, but that person died. Oh, no, they, into place. somebody yeah. definitely died in that song or before the song. Yeah. But um, death is. I, I believe he mentions, like, his wife giving birth or something. Because there's that line like, he says like surprised you were human, and uh, I thought he was referencing like a baby. Like awesome. and that, that line is like an alien. that line's preceded by "You're shorter than my wife expected," so I don't know what she expected of their infant. Well, I thought maybe it was like a smaller <laughs> baby than they imagined, or something like that. I don't know. All right. I I couldn't That's like good. remedy that with like some adult dying, so I, I thought of yeah. it as a baby. Uh, baby. Honorable. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> mentioned <laughs> something I always consider like a companion piece is the forty-five thirty-three piece Ooh. that they did for Nike. Which actually, like, I think eight minutes in actually contains a lyricless uh, version of Someone Great, which is where yeah. I swear that melody first came up. But yeah, if you if you like what you hear on Sound of Silver, definitely go check out 4533. We're going to listen to that one. It's pretty we'll great. It yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just instrumental. It's like, supposed to be to, to run to. Mm-hmm. Like, have a whole yeah. workout. If you like to, to run yeah. to the instrumental from Someone Great. Do you think I can run for 45 minutes? That's <laughs> hard. 33 <laughs> seconds, <laughs> too. Yeah, that's rough. Um, all right, I guess I'll step up to the plate again um the second album that i had on there was uh, the lonesome credit west by modest mouse which is mm. um other than perfect from now on by built the spill and uh, crooked rain crooked rain by pavement is the mm-hmm. best 90s indie rock album ever made and it is a solid 9.9 it's mm. not a 10 because long distance drunk is on it and i think that song's Ooh. kind of not great but to talk to talk about why i love that album is that it it creates for, for one, it really sounds like nothing else. Like, I've really never heard an album from any other band that sounds like Lonesome Crunder West, not even from Mondas Mouse themselves. And it's it's this really, it's really deserty. It's really, I don't, I don't know, because a lot of it is about, like, him living in Washington and, like, not, not a rural Washington, but, like, not Seattle or anything, kind of, like, lower-income parts, and then seeing, like, Strong the wilderness there getting, like, yeah destroyed by strip malls and that kind yeah. of thing so it's it's really it's it's a really sad album it's it's really like it says it's kind of lonely and it, mm-hmm. it almost feels like a western album in a way not yeah. just because there's a song on it called cowboy dan but it's very like mm-hmm. 
It's 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 western in the way that's not like a John Wayne movie, but in the way that like the West actually was like watching uh, more de- more depressing, I guess. But it creates such a strong mood and such a strong atmosphere, and the instrument instrumentals on it are fantastic. Jeremiah Green is one of the most underrated drummers in indie rock today, and Isaac Rock is. Or Isaac Rock. Isaac Brock. Isaac Brock. His guitar is really, really great on it. His guitar has such like a weird sound on it that I've really never heard from another album. It's super like grainy and do rough. He, he plays with his teeth. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, yeah, I've seen him do that. And he has that little <laughs> trick that he does. Um, like he messes around with the pedal to get like that sound like on drama mean like that. Probably doesn't come around cross pretty well, but um. Yeah. They they really like they were just a three piece or maybe a four piece but they really kind of like pushed the sonic boundaries with what they had yeah he does a lot with his cause he does like the where he like scratches the guitar like on um this plane is definitely crashing shit luck shit luck that's it oh uh oh sorry Texas I'll edit that sugar honey iced tea <laughs> look no one's listening to gonna this. edit out those sad parts <laughs> was that a, like a was that like a kid thing that you did like H E double hockey sticks sugar honey iced tea I didn't do sugar honey iced tea but I heard it uh, in the Madagascar Z- yeah the zebra time. Chris Rock said that yeah Chris Rock said that I did do H E double hockey sticks though. did you see that uh, the pitchfork mini doc yes that documentary is yeah. fantastic if only because there's like so much great old footage of Modest and Alice playing mm-hmm. and like you get such a different experience from Modest Mouse Live nowadays because they're such a big band and they have like 20 members or whatever. But seeing like these images of like Isaac Brock super sweaty in like a white T-shirt just like screaming into the microphone in this club for like 20 people is like it feels more representative of that album than what they are now. And I don't think they're bad now. They just there's a lot of like raw emotion on Red mm-hmm. West. I I feel, I feel like that's a common theme tonight we talk a lot about raw, raw. emotions and passion like and that kind of raw. thing but um god like that album i got into it uh middle of high school that was one of my first like real indie rock albums along with another one that i'll probably talk about a little bit later but um it just it was it was unlike anything i'd ever heard before and i i'd never listened to like 70 minute rock albums before i want to jump in with a little anecdote um i was in seattle last summer and I made a point to do it, and I, I did. I went and visited the towers that are shown in the front of Ultra Crowded West, which are, like, in downtown Seattle. Turn a picture in front of it. That's beautiful. I drove through Issaquah, which is the city where Isaac Brock's from. It felt like a little pilgrimage. I, w- I want to do that someday. But, <laughs> so. um, God, that, that album's like a behemoth. It's, it's super long, but it's super rewarding, and it's super worth it. And like like built the spill i think they kind of give a good name to like jam bands and because i think when people think of jam bands they think of like fish and that kind of thing and it's got a very like dad rock type vibe to it there's <laughs> nothing wrong with fish people dead <laughs> they're really good um, okay I'm, I'm i'm not saying there's anything wrong with those bands i'm saying there's a certain stigma attached to those bands and mm-hmm. the kind of music that they yeah. play but like songs like trucker's atlas which is 10 minutes long and half of it is just like a jam session that that's pretty much just the drummer and the bassist cuz Isaac Brock's guitar isn't really too present in it but it's so it's so engaging and like it has such a nice melody to it that it keeps you in it doesn't feel like it's just doing it for the sake of doing it and like there there's the story in the documentary like they just started jamming and like the producer's about to cut him off and they're just like no just let him go just let him do this for a little bit 
and there's like that little sound in there that they don't know where it came from but god that all makes me makes me teary-eyed it's so beautiful i think everyone mysticism (laughs) (laughs) there are no narratives (laughs) there's only the music I think everyone had kind of that connection to like whatever they listened to in high school. Like they're always going to have, it's always going to have a place in their heart. I think it might be different for us because we're not that far removed from high school. Mm-hmm. But I think that's definitely a, a common experience that a lot of people have. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, Jay? Well, uh, in the past few minutes, I've defended make believe and I've defended fish. <laughs> uh, neither of those two things are even things that I'm super like evangelical <laughs> about. So I'm going to have to. Flex my cred. All right. Next album is DJ Shadows introducing. Is that cred now? Do you get cred for that? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you should totally get to cash in that DJ Shadow cred. Um, like, um, it was huge for me, like, uh, like when I was getting into dance music when I was a, a freshman in college. And uh, at the same time, I was listening to Sound of Silver is when I got into introducing. But just, like, there's nothing... Um, I don't know, in, in my mind, it's always linked to the avalanches since I left you, which I was listening to at the same time. Mm. And um, I know that a lot of people for that avalanches record, that first one, love just um, the sheer amount of samples that there are. And that's great, but um, Josh Davis, DJ Shadow, achieves, in my opinion, just a lot more with maybe like four samples on a song. Like my favorite song on that record is Changeling, I think. And I think there might be five samples um, it was the first record that was just comprised solely of samples, so he's got that under his belt. So it's, it's like a Plunder Phonics record and like that it's kind of thing? like a Plunder Phonics, but I feel like Plunder Phonics sort of implies that maybe there's like a plethora of, you know, because would you consider just like, you know, like a beat made out of sample, would you consider that like Plunder Phonics? Right, like, I don't know, it's yeah. kind of like no, I what you mean. Yeah, like there's only like, I don't know, like there's certainly like some crate digging going on, for mm-hmm. sure, no doubt. But, um, like the samples he selects, I think there's probably maybe like less than fifty on the record, and there's okay. like there's like fourteen songs, thirteen songs. Um, but yeah, I know you guys haven't listened to it, so I'll probably keep this one short. Um, yeah, no, if you're looking to get into instrumental hip hop, but instead of like maybe instead of the the donuts model, you know, which is sort of like a, a forty-five to thirty-minute whole. This is sort of like a seven-minute pieces of, you know, music. Um, but, yeah, no, some of the most innovative stuff that I think. You made it all with an MPC-60, which um, is cool, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> is he kind of similar to, like, tobacco, that kind of thing? I would say so, um, except I saw – I don't know much about tobacco, but I saw them live, and um, the woman, she just basically played everything on her Prophet 6. There's, n- there's, I don't, there's not really any sense on this. It's all – like sample that's none of it is like original content like in that way um so i'm I'm not sure if i would classify it as like the same thing as tobacco um what would i classify it as i don't know i really don't know also a uh, word i'd use to describe it nocturnal you know if you're into i don't know nocturnal sounding music which is certainly like a mood and definitely a good one Check is is this that just out. like listening to music at night? Or? It, ha- it certainly has like a, a downbeat dark mood. Like if you heard it, like I could play you some stuff and I think you would agree. You'd see where I'm coming from. But yeah, um, not too much to say about this, you know, not not as much as the Weezer stuff. But yeah, for sure. We'll all take it to heart and listen to it. Cool. It sounds interesting. Yeah, no, it's great.
so I'm kind of realizing that everything I wrote down here is stuff I was introduced to in high school. Um, so I guess my theory holds up. Um, but uh, another album that's really important to me is uh, an album called Get Real by Math the Band. They're a, uh, I don't know if you could call them math rock. I don't think they're like giving themselves that label, but they're very like fast, kind of like uh, punk, like party music. Uh, they use a lot of like uh, synthesizers and they like plug like Game Boys into like MIDI controllers and stuff. Um, and it's all uh, very fast, very like flying by the seat of your pants um and it's it's just a fun album it's like it's like almost 20 songs all the songs are like a minute or two minutes and it's just like it just goes at this like breakneck breakneck speed this whole time and it's good album so so they're more like like pop punk power pop that kind of thing i yeah you i think you could say power pop they actually um it's funny, like, as I became, like, you know, like, more well-versed in music, uh, as I get older and listen to more, parts parts of their albums sound almost entirely like Jeff Rosenstock ripoffs. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they draw a lot of their DNA from Jeff Rosenstock and Bond Music Industry, but uh, they put enough of their own spin on it to where it's uh, interesting, I think, and uh, it's, a, it's a good take on that kind of genre. How can you have math in your name but not have twinkle parts? Where are the twinkle parts? I don't know, man. <laughs> I hate twinkle math rock. A uh, lot. Uh, yeah, twinkle parts, arpeggios. I hate it. I'm down with it. I mean, that's, that's a separate discussion if you want to get into that. But uh, I don't have enough to say about <laughs> it. <laughs> my, my one thing to say on that is just that, like, math rock bands who just noodle around with their guitars and do weird time signatures and, like, that's it are really, really boring. So... Yeah. Listen to Terramelos instead. They're fun. What about that? Uh, what, um, they're an Austin band. What was it? And you will know us by the trailer of the dead. I've never listened to them. Well, they're pretty cool. They're math rock. If you're listening, listen to them. <laughs> if you're listening. If you're listening, yeah. Big if. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moment of truth, Troy. I didn't have a third one written down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start this out with this. I had like a bunch in my head that I would put like in my top ten, but I could not think of a third one to talk about. Can we pick your third one? I'm gonna I'm gonna say some albums. Alright. And then I'm gonna as I'm as I'm saying them, I'm gonna latch onto one and roll with it. Alright, okay. cool. Um in my top ten I come from a very like folk background. Um like uh like some of my like all time favorites like Leonard Cohen and um like in high school it was all like it was like bright eyes and then it was like folk punk um and like the mountain goats and stuff was like kind of what i what i like loved growing up and i was gonna say uh songs of leonard cohen his first album or like bright eyes wide awake it's morning sunset tree but then i kind of wanted to go like a more more rock direction what am i going to talk about <laughs> i'm Me. saying it all out loud um i'm gonna talk about for, for a second, I thought I was going to talk about um, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders to Mars. I don't know if I really want to talk about okay. it. It's a lot. Five, four, <laughs> oh God. three, oh God. two, one. I'm going to talk one. about Sunset Tree. All right. There we go. <laughs> Sunset Tree by the Mountain the Goats. Goats. The Mountain Goats. Um, Which is a mostly solo recording project of, of uh, John Darnell. A little, little biography. I've listened to that album. Have you yes. listened to that album, Jacob? 
I have not. That album? That album? Sure, uh, you obviously I, has it because he also was by. I'm like, a, I enjoy being from Texas in like a weird idiosyncratic way, definitely not in line with other character traits I have. So I hold it against them that the best ever band out of Denton, the best ever death metal band out of Denton on the All Hail West Texas. Mm-hmm. It's not West Texas, my man. It's not <laughs> West Texas. You're going to have to shut you down there. <laughs> that, that the al- whole album's not all about West Texas, though. Let's be real. Uh, I mean... I mean, he, had, he mentions Waco in that album, too, and it's definitely not West Texas. I mean, yeah. Midland's kind of West Texas, and that's a song on there. It's, Midland, it's, it's, I'd, it's, that's class. It's about people Certified. all over Texas. All right, yeah, yeah. fine. Maybe I'll, but, uh, maybe I'll use that. Maybe I'll use it as a strength. <laughs> it's an album and, about Texas. Right. And that album is also my favorite. That album is all, like, solo, very, like, in his bedroom, like you can hear, like the ringing, like the buzzing of his equipment. It was on a tape album. recorder, yeah. Tape recorder, All Hail West Texas. But kind of the opposite of that in their band is Sunset Tree, because he recorded it with a full like folk band, um, like uh, switching to upright and electric bass and like a drum kit. Very like big like folk rock songs. Um, he even kind of dives into like some weird stuff, just some like like really he- like heavier blues on like lion's teeth and mm-hmm. like uh this is a song with just violins and him singing on like Dad, however you say that um delauded delauded yeah. is that how you say that word probably probably <laughs> it's just his songwriting is just so it's like weirdly direct but also like poetic it's like a weird like it's like something you'd like he could say at slam poetry mm-hmm. Slam Poetry Night. Well, kind of on that, like, the, the, I think, like, one of the biggest, like, definers of the album is the lyrical content. Yeah, yeah. For, the, for those who are unaware, uh, most of the album is about him growing up in California. Right, right. And his uh, stepfather was very abusive, mm-hmm. and he comes from a very broken home. Mm-hmm. And the album is kind of, like, a little bit of cognitive dissonance after the rest of the discography, because most of the albums beforehand he told a lot of stories that weren't about himself mm. and he told there the some autobiographical bits made it in there every now and then but most of it was just storytelling and right. so i i believe the story behind it is that like this was probably going to be their last album on the label and they thought they were never going to get another chance yeah. again so, so he was just like i'm just I'm, I'm putting it all out there's there. the, the the most their most popular song and like one of the best songs on it's called this year mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's about how he was he grew up in a very broken household but like he basically like relied on the person he loved like his his girlfriend or like the the woman he was like the, the girl he was into at the time to mm-hmm. like rely on her for like to help him be like help us an escape mm-hmm. and it's like a kind of a running theme throughout the album is like being able to escape from like the bad stuff that's going on it's mm-hmm. a very like personal no, yeah. D- despite like the subject matter being kind of inherently dark, it's a very hopeful album because mm. um, th- this is being th- these stories are being told. I don't know how old he was at the time, but decades after they've happened, and he's made it out, and he has a music mm. career, and so he's looking back on this, and it's kind of like he he writes a little um, in liner notes that um, there's a little thing about how like if anybody like listening to this album has gone through this thing like just know you can make it and like you're going to get out of this mm-hmm. and so this is very much like an inspiring album he's not he's not dwelling on it he's yeah. he's kind of just letting also it out. even even like even like even separate from like the content of the album i just really like the uh the way he writes like the, the way he goes like weirdly into detail Mm-hmm. And then kind of like jumps back out and shows you the bigger picture. Um, he's like a published author. I haven't read any of his books. They're he, great. He has, he has some great. novels, and he he you can definitely see that he's like 
a really, really, really good writer. Um, no, and the it definitely gr- draws you in. A lot of the themes of the album kind of come across like anecdotally. Like, there's not a lot of broad speak on the album, mm-hmm. and and that that kind of makes it all the more tragic. He's and, just like, telling like very specific stories of like events that happened to him. Right. Um, like like the and a lot of them, a lot of lines are just so heartbreaking. Like um, I can't remember exactly what the line is, but on a hast thou considered the tetrapod when he's talking about like his stepfather beating him, and he's like worried mm-hmm. that he's gonna break his stereo, and then he's like that's the only thing I have left and I think about yeah. that for a while and I sort of black yeah. out. And and there's a very, very similar on that, the, the track Dance Music where he's talking about how like to drown out the sound of like his mom and dad fighting he like listened to loud music mm-hmm. which is also like a super like terrifying thought. I, I just, I feel like every time I listen to that album I cry to a different song. Mm-hmm. It's just like, God, that's such a powerful album and I love it a lot. Yeah. Um, it's just oh. like the, it's just like the, the huge variety and in like instrumentals and like the super personal direct writing. Mm-hmm. And to our uh, chose to talk about. two other panelists here, listen to the Mountain Goats because the Mountain Goats are good. Yeah, yeah. So they have like not. they have like so many albums. They have like twenty albums. Yeah, I recently just did a run through of their discography, and I do I don't do a lot. <laughs> I'm the <laughs> lonely guy. That's how I did it. But they don't they don't really have a bad album in their discography. But yeah, regardless, anybody's listening. Listen to the Mountain Goats. Um, for me, I'm also kind of in a split-time decision here. I guess I'm going to go with uh, Just Got Back from the Discomfort, We're Fine by the Brave Little Abacus. Um, uh, cards on the table. I don't know a lot about the band themselves, which I don't think is necessary to like know about the band, but I can't tell you anything about the singer or the process or anything because it's a very... I mean, you can't find this album anywhere, really. Like... Any any time I've ever had to find it, I've had to illegally download it because it's not on Bandcamp, it's not on Spotify. It Clayton, did you make this album up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was a uh, a writing exercise. I was trying to construct an album. Uh, no, I didn't make it up. Um, it's a I guess you would consider it like emo revival, which is another term that if you're listening and you're kind of getting turned off right now, just hold on a second because I know. That that kind of no twinkly parts. No twinkly parts. This is this is not a uh, what's any more about man. This is not dads. This is not like your typical kind of thing. It's it's a very it's a very bizarre album and it's very unique. And I think like it's it's almost hard to describe without having listened to it because it's it's very um it's very spacious and it does a lot of things with music that you didn't really find from other artists at the time. There's a lot of like horn sections which I know were any more revival bands but like there was a lot of like string sections and a lot of just a lot of cool things going on and i think like the lyrics are interesting even though they don't mean much it's a lot of like stream of consciousness just like yelling and his his voice is like cracking and it's his voice is a little hard to get into be warned but it's 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 a worthwhile like investment of your time and it's it's so complex and it's so passionate and it's just everything that I love about music and I don't know what else to say about it other than that other than just go listen to it it's an hour long sounds a little long but you can you can do it I believe in you but all right I don't think anybody else has listened to that cool. album, but no, <laughs> um, my third entry is going to be pretty short because I don't, I don't think anyone else here has listened to it so before that I'd like to maybe if we want to get my honorable mention out of the way if we want to have a small loveless discussion a small, small loveless a discussion. small contained loveless discussion which i'll start with this anecdote 
It's by a band called My Bloody Valentine that when mm-hmm. I was a freshman in high school, my I was at a debate camp and we walked to Antone's in Austin. And my friend bought uh, Nevermind the Bollocks and this record. And I was like, bro, my buddy Valentine, like, what are you doing? Come on. <laughs> come on. But, like, just I on the last day of the count, I heard him playing, like, um, what I now know is When You Sleep. Um, and I don't know, like, it just turned kind of, like, everything upside down for me. Like, um, I don't know. Like, I had never heard anything like that because um, I was only, like, 15 years old. But. You were spending this whole time talking about how much you hate music mysticism, but like the no, story yeah, surrounding no, that album no, is yeah, chock no, this, full of We it. gotta get it in, like, let's <laughs> <laughs> all the music mysticism right yeah. now. But basically, um, do you want to tell the story, or do you want me to do it? What story? Well, just just like kind of like, basically, it's a shoegaze album it's by a band shoegaze called My Bloody Valentine, and they bankrupted their their record label. Well, al- almost, almost. Well, uh, it was only like a hundred thousand. Like honestly, like. Creation Records was kind of rolling in it at that point. They released a string of successful albums that year, uh, Bandwagon-esque and um, Screamadelica by mm-hmm. Primal Scream, and then the Bandwagon-esque uh, Teenage Fan Club. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like I don't. I think that might be a little a little popular myth. Okay, yeah, that, that might be pushing it a little bit, but it was a difficult album to make. It yeah, took like three years to make. They kept firing people and moving studios, and Alan Mulder is kind of the only guy who wasn't in the band that stuck around, and even he wasn't really in it. And then Kevin Shields, like the front man, was a total mm-hmm. perfectionist, and yeah. most of the time he would loop the drums just to keep him on. He would do the parts himself. Yeah. He would pitch shift his vocals, and just basically yeah. was a one-man show for a lot of it. Yeah, Komo Kosag, the drummer, which I think that's how you say his name, was going through a divorce, so he only actually drums on the first and last track, and everything else, oh, well. everything else is him. Just like those are like um, samples taken from mm-hmm. like a 45-minute. Like him just like playing things that you mm-hmm. hear on a rock album, I guess, and Kevin Shields. Right. So that, you know, early, early, you know, <laughs> early electronic music stuff going. Uh, yeah. I mean, other than the story with the album, the album itself. Yeah. This is fantastic. an album. This is like one of the few albums I have for every time I come back. I'm like, oh, maybe like sometimes is my favorite track now. Mm-hmm. Or maybe When You Sleep. I always come back to When You Sleep. Or maybe like I only said. Like, um,. I feel like because of this record, there's really like sort of like shoegaze has taken on like sort of like an indefinable like quality. Like who knows what shoegaze is? Um, Usually, I just say like if your guitars are super loud, then you're probably shoegaze. Or, yeah. or if you employ kind of that wall of sound idea of production, mm-hmm. you're. And I I think this this um, I don't know. Just so many things started with this record. Like the idea of taking that tremolo arm and like kind of holding it down, but also, you know, like using the tremolo arm mm-hmm. as you play, which is right. like a huge thing now. Like that's sort of like a, a hallmark. But at the time, I'm not sure was um, something that was really widely done, especially on like uh, Blown a Wish, that song, like that technique to the max. No, that, that album is entirely groundbreaking. There mm-hmm. really was not a lot like that before Loveless came around. Yeah. And it still sounds so like... Because I think with a lot of, like, kind of dream poppier bands or, like, just pop rock bands from that era, like, late 80s, early 90s, mm-hmm. like, it really sounds dated. Like, like The Cure are great, but, like, yeah. they're, they're very obviously from their time period. But mm-hmm. I think Loveless is a very timeless album just yeah. because it, it almost exists, like, outside of its, of the time period it came from. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, just, and also it's just one of those great records that really, um, is, is it's a stepping stone to like learning more about music like through that record I learned about creation records and I watched mm. the there's a great documentary on um, 
on Netflix. I can't remember. It's just called The Story of Creation Records. Like, oh, it's upside down, named after the Jesus and Mary Chain song. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's like, um, I don't know. It was just a huge, I'm for me in that respect as well, just like learning about these, these narratives, mm-hmm. you know, and these stories. So uh, yeah, I don't think I really have any more words. So I'll move on to our feature presentation. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's going to be real short. Uh, third record is Graham Parsons' Grievous Angel, which I only heard, like, back for the first time back in, like, June. I walk, you know, I, uh, we go to a Trader Joe's after, um, you, you smoke some. Um, <laughs> Maddie asked me to go get water. I walk into the Starbucks. I'm gone. And suddenly I just hear, like, the, that opening, like, um, there's opening chords and then that, that pedal steel from, from Brass Buttons. And I was just like, Wow. Like I knew, I'd already decided that like country prejudice was something that I wanted to like be done with. Mm-hmm. But when I heard this, I was like, this isn't even like something that I like. <laughs> but no, like it's great. Like I listened to it like on like a, I drove to like Dallas and I listened to it like on the way back like three times over. I was like, wow, this is great. And I feel um, it really works because I feel like a lot of people's issues with country are lyrics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they usually cite like pop country, like Toby Keith or something. But no, like this record, like the opening track was, I mean, literally written by a poet, you know, for Grant Parsons. And, you know, instead of like sort of like tractor talk, it's like, oh, I'm having like a breakdown in the desert. My mom drank herself to death. Like, oh, mm-hmm. um, and then fittingly, he, he died of an overdose, I think, shortly before the record came out. No, I mean, um, I, I guess I can't talk much about that album, but I can talk about country a little bit. Um, yeah, the, there's there's a lot of great country out there. Yeah, and no, there I really think is. like before country got... I don't know. Gentrified would be the word. I for some for me it's about the drums. Like even as far as like George Strait, like that his version of Amarillo by Morning, I can't take the drum projection on that song. Like to me, that's when it, the '80s. I think. Well, I, I mean, like I'm I'm fine with like George Strait and stuff, just because I have like a nostalgic mm-hmm. attachment to it, like right. from where I grew up and what my parents listened to and that kind of thing. But it's it's not like it's it's pretty by the numbers. It's pretty safe. But I mean, there's a lot of great like emotional country out yeah. there because that's really like the roots of country. It was like yeah. Like the working man's music, like yeah, it, no. was, it was as akin to like how blues is. Like it's it's mm-hmm. letting out your soul into music, yeah. and just like um, a country music, I think is a lot more diverse than people think. Like like you know, parts of it comes from like that Appalachian folk music. Parts of it comes from like sort of like Mexican influenced you know guitar work. Like um, there's like a lick I can't I won't vocalize it. <laughs> you know why not? No, that's not it. That's not even correct. <laughs> I but know exactly what you mean. Influenced by by Mexican guitar playing, and I don't know. Like it's just it, it's a lot more diverse. And, and anyway, this record. Um, if you're not familiar with Graham Parsons, he was in The Birds for a little bit when they made their country record, Sweetheart of the Rodeo, which is also great. He was in The Flying Burrito Brothers. Their first two records are also great, and those all records sort of come together and are the base of influence for for alt country. Then later in the '90s, so. Another yeah. great country album. I don't know if any of y'all listen to this or if you listen to this artist, but uh, Magnolia Electric Company by Songs Ohio. Mm-hmm. It's a really, um, it's like I guess you would call it like alt country, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's it's very it's a very dark and foreboding album, and yeah. I think like country misses a lot of that, especially nowadays. Like country yeah. is like it's really not even country anymore. It's, yeah. it's just pop music with. Yeah, well, like, oh. one of the first country songs I heard was, like, you know, You're Cheating Heart, and, like, Hank Williams' whole thing, and he literally, literally did drink himself to death, you know? <laughs> like, he's he's not fronting, you know? But, yeah, like, um, 
it's about as country as you can get drinking yourself to Drink, death. yeah um you know, there's just that old adage, you know, from like middle school. Like, I, d I listen to everything except for <laughs> hip hop and country. And I got over the hip hop version like by the time I was 14, but country lasted easily until like I was like 18 or 19. But yeah, no, this record is great. If you're not sure about country music, I don't know, just, just give it a spin. God, like, I mean, it's, there's nothing illegitimate about it, there's nothing illegitimizing about it. Like, it's all very good. Just yeah. let your biases go. You know? it's, it's crazy, like, the root country is taken. Like, every now and then, for whatever reason, I'll turn on, like, KJ97, and, like, somebody will be, like, spitting a verse, and I'll be like, <laughs> what yeah, is, that, what is um, happening? That LL Cool J feature on that one song, like, you know, if 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 uh, you forget the gold chains, I'll forget the iron chains. Talking. <gasps> no! Oh, is that real? That's a real thing. Yeah, that's a real thing he said. Like oh on God. a, it was like Toby Keith featuring, or I don't know, some country artist featuring Ella Cool J. I think it's Ella Cool J. And he, yeah, he drops that line. Like, you forget the, the you, you don't mind the gold chains? I don't mind the iron chains. Good Lord. And it's, it's like, oh, no, stop. But, you know, anyway, Grievous Angel, Graham Parsons, 1973. I think country's being revitalized a little bit because I think everybody had that kind of aversion to it for a long time at least everybody I know yeah. um, I think it's almost taking kind of the same route as like you know classic rock did where yeah. classic rock became this huge uh, like big thing and it was these huge stage productions mm -hmm. all these pyrotechnics and makeup and costumes or whatever and then in the 90s it kind of got broken down more to its core yeah. elements and I think especially on like smaller labels like mm -hmm. uh, there's a few artists on I think Burger Records they have some I think uh, Natural Child is maybe on that uh, label. I'm not really sure. But there's some smaller artists that are doing country now that feels a lot more heartfelt, and it yeah. feels like they have a lot of appreciation for, like, yeah. uh, like, the roots of country. Yeah, I just think today's, you know, artists that, you know, will be, you know, tomorrow's stars or whatever. You know, they're growing up, you know, as well and discovering that, oh, no, like, there's nothing wrong with country and or classic rock and you know there's there's a lot to be gleaned from it that's great you know yeah and i don't like i don't know i feel like kind of a like an undertone when you kind of talk a little mess about a genre it almost feels like you're kind of talking mess about the people who listen to it and i don't oh, want to yeah. do any of that and that's a big thing with country is actually i, re I read this article well i saved it in my facebook <laughs> page, but i will read it to be and honest it's, it's about you know the classicism of of, of saying you, you listen to everything except for uh, hip hop and country, and that basically it comes down to you only listen to music made by like middle class white people, basically, which is kind of what that comes down to. And I think country is certainly like um, uh, like classicism there and, and bias against like rural poor types, you know. And I, especially that's flaring up recently. You know, people want to sort of I don't know. Um, I'm not gonna make them like a like a scapegoat figure, but um. With the with the past election, you know, people like oh, like uh, like when the hurricane happened in Houston, people like oh well, you know, let Texas flood. They voted for, and it's like oh, mm. don't be classy. Well, know? I mean, There's like, like some serious undertones there, you know. Like like the the classism issue is kind of weird because it's it's like you can obviously see it with hip hop, and I think mm -hmm. with country it's a little complicated because people are hearing the country music not. Her, like not made by actual like country people yeah. like the country music being made today is primarily made yeah. by I mean and this isn't like just today like this is back like from a while like even when like Taylor Swift started making music like it's a lot mm -hmm. of like rich people just kind yeah. of 
cashing in on a genre. Well, cards on the table. Uh, Graham Parsons grew up in a rich family in South Florida and went to Harvard. No, there, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think like people are so detached from the roots of the genre yeah. because they don't really mm. have a lot of access to that. Especially like a lot of a lot of our music tastes and a lot of our opinions we get from our parents. And when yeah. you're growing up in Central Texas countries on the radio 24 7 yeah so you just hear that modern country that was sort of my thing is i didn't you know i was like i don't want to hear that i don't want to hear this country music on the radio i despise it now i don't (laughs) that's great anyway i'm done are you guys familiar with the kenny chesney phenomenon where uh there's like always fights at kenny chesney concerts no i i I read this article i don't remember where but uh you can fall into this hole on youtube where uh there are like dozens of videos of fights just outside or during Kenny Chesney concerts. What does he inspire in people? I don't know. Something violent. Know. Kenny, Kenny, Kenny Chesney kind of like, puts a fire in my heart. I would think that Toby <laughs> Keith would kind of be the volatile guy, but I guess all the people that he's sort of like, I don't know, crapping on aren't at his concerts. I guess all the people at his concerts like, yeah. Well, no, to- Toby Keith gets, like, the drunk people together and puts them in brotherhood. Like, yeah. he's, he's well, like, a like celebratory that. drunk type. But Kenny Chesney might just be, like, some wife dragged, like, her drunk husband along to the I, concert. I'm not even sure what he, like, looks like. I feel like I have, like, I know a good Kenny idea. Chesney looks like. He's kind of handsome. Like, Brad Paisley or Toby Keith. Like, I know what they look I like. I mean, all the videos are, like, outside of these uh, huge stadiums. <laughs> and it's, like, it's these... People have been drinking for like eight hours straight waiting for this concert, and it's like a hundred degrees outside, so things are gonna get a little bit rowdy, I think, no matter what. Mosh pit at the Kenny Chesney show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Your final entry. My final entry. Um, I I was also kind of uh, stressing over what I was gonna pick for my last album, um, and if you ask me tomorrow, this list would be completely different, I'm sure. Um, but fake. <laughs> um, for now, I'm going to say my third album is uh, Age of Winters by The Sword. They're a uh, stoner metal band uh, based out of Austin, Texas. That's cool. Um, they, it's, they're kind of, uh, people make the comparison a lot between them and uh, Sleep, another oh, stoner metal cool. band. That's uh, good. Going as far as to say Age of Winters is kind of just a sleep ripoff album, which yep. I can see where they can make the comparison, but I think part of the reason I liked it in the first place is it's kind of uh, accessible in terms of uh, metal and that specific genre of metal in general. Um, and I guess something, ab- when I was in high school specifically, something about the idea that like all these songs have like lore behind them mm-hmm. and they're all very like, I don't know, I guess there's this kind of like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, no, I, I feel you. Yeah, it's um, uh, the solid metal album. I think uh, one of, if not my favorite, metal albums. Metal, metal is. I mean, the cards on the table. I haven't listened to the album. I don't know if Shay or Troy have listened to this album either. I haven't. Um, I have not. Metal, but metal is a very, it's a very complicated genre. Like people get into like real fights over metal. Death which heaven is isn't real black metal. God, like you post that like on a message board, yeah. like you're drowning Jesus. in it, and yeah. I I don't know what it is. So sorry to take it off topic, but uh, I don't know what it is that like inspires that sort of like inner schism in the in the genre. Like, you think? Nah, I don't know. People get very defensive about like 
applying certain genre labels to different bands like that's always been a huge thing in mm -hmm. music but i think especially with you know the internet now people get very defensive very up in arms about that kind of thing yeah the genre wave no I, I mean like i've seen people get into heated discussions about any type of album genre but like metal is where it like gets down into it like people are so picky about their subgenres. well i think metal um like i think kind of the same uh, phenomenon with Weezer is I think that sort of um, like Weezer inspires and like you know young teen boys that kind of following I think maybe the idea of metal as like um, in pop culture history like outcast music mm -hmm. you know so maybe sort of inspires uh, like um, fandom that would be more intense than if it were like mildly like popular or even though Metallica I don't how could Metallica be outcast music? There's millions of records. I mean, they songs. were, but uh, at a time, like, all the popular thrash bands were, like, all outcast music. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they didn't just get, like, big overnight. Metallica was once like any other band just making music in their garage. And although they garage days. do suck now, I mean, like, all music comes from a point of... What's her What's her latest record called? Like, uh, I think it's... I don't know. I just know that, like, dot, 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 self-destruct is in it, <laughs> so... Alright. <laughs> no, Ma Metallica. Hardwired to self destruct is what it's yeah, called. Yeah, that's it. Metallica. Dope. Metallica's got a few Super good dope. albums. And then my lifestyle determines my death style. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the name of one of the songs, right? That's like a lyric on like uh, Saint Anger. Or like the first song on like Saint Anger, I think. It's like a closing like my lifestyle determines my death style. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah, no, James James Hetfield's really I don't know. Metallica, like, I respect them for what they did, the genre. They got cool songs. But, like, Lars Ulrich is a jerk. And they just, like, make, now they just make bland, like, alt rock music ever mm -hmm. since the Black Album. So. Yeah. They kind of fell off. That that thing uh, happened to the sword a little bit with their, because Age of Winters came out in the, uh, I think, 99 or something, sometime in the 90s or very early 2000s. Well, I didn't know the sword was that old. Oh, yeah, they've been around for a long time. But, um,. Their latest album was like, it veer it veers so hard into just being like a hard rock album. Like, uh, they did a like a cover of a ZZ Top song at one point, and it feels like ever since that they've just been heading more in that direction. Which I'm not sounds like a weird combination. Really into Aww. yeah. Aww. Um, uh, but their latest album, they also put out an acoustic version of that entire album, which I thought it worked much better as an acoustic album That's than as the original. Alright. Um, what? We got some honorable mentions coming up if you want to do yeah, that round of that. You do yours first. Eureka by Jim O'Rourke. Alright. I've never listened to Jim O'Rourke. I want to. But, um, oh, you should. I, f I, I guess I'll, I'll call it a tie for um, honorable mention. Uh, I'll say one of them is Kid A by Radiohead, uh, which I think Radiohead is on a lot of people's honorable mention. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, if you weren't sure if this was a college podcast or not. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to talk about Radiohead. But um, the other album being uh, Emergency and I by the Dismemberment Plan. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about Kid A first. Um, very seminal album in my life. Yeah. Kind of the first weird album I listened to. And it's better than OK Computer. Uh We'll talk about that another time, but because um, that's another heated discussion on its own. It is. But um, 
I mean, I remember listening to Kid A for the first time. I bought it at Best Buy. I came home, plugged it up to my speakers, and I was playing Black Ops when I was listening to it. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's early. Yeah. yeah um, Black Ops is like 2010. Something like that. Yeah. It was yeah. A, it was it was pretty early in my life, that's like eighth grade, eighth ninth grade, something that's, like that. That's some cred. Cash that cred <laughs> in, bro. <laughs> Do I pitchfork hire me? But yeah. um, <laughs> like I remember just like listening to it and just being like, this is so like what what even is this like? Because cause ar- around that time is when I started going on the NME.com a lot, which, if you don't know, is, like, the British pitchfork. And so they are always... And which I dissed in, like, my first article for the station. I still will diss them. Enemy, death to, y- death to you. No, enemy, enemy is, is, is a worth dissing, to, to say it lightly. But they're, all, they're always talking about Radiohead and Coldplay and Arctic Monkeys and that kind of thing. And so I would go on there and, you know, me being previous and adolescent and i'm forming my opinions i see what they think is good and i'm like all right i'll, I'll give that a shot so i listened to okay computer first which i liked but kid a was the album that kind of just yeah. pushed my conceptions of what rock music could be mm-hmm. and just put me out there a little bit yeah it's like uh it's a it's a great sort of um crossover like blending of genres of that electronic music that they're they're listening to like uh, Aphex Twin, Outiker, all basically like Warp Records acts, you mm-hmm. know, in the late '90s, early 2000s. Um, yeah, songs like Kid A, like Kid A is like a full fledged electronic song, mm-hmm. like um, title track. For a long time, I bought that record, and like for a year, I only listened to everything in its right place. Ooh. For some reason, I was not very adventurous. That song the, the organ great. in that song. Yeah, is that what it is? It's an organ. Uh. I think the synthesizer. I think it's like a it's like a Prophet Six or something. It's something. It's weird. beautiful. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, my in my um in senior year we we were able to write quotes. I definitely quoted like uh, motion picture soundtrack. Oh man, well, well, like when I when I first listened to that song, like I couldn't really get or that album. It was it was hard for me to get into like everything in its right place and Kid mm-hmm. A and that type of thing because yeah. I was into rock music, but like. Yeah. Naturally, I really attached to uh, Optimistic, How to Disappear Completely, yeah. and mm-hmm. those kinds of songs. And then later on, I kind of rediscovered the more experimental electronic songs. Yeah. But, wow, like, Motion Picture Soundtrack is one of the best closers to an album ever. That song mm-hmm. is just so beautiful. Um, yeah, I could talk about Kid 8 all day. But the other album, uh, Emergency, yeah, Emergency and I, by the Summer Plan, is one I kind of discovered a little more recently. And I, I had heard um, a friend turn me on to The City, which is a track on that album. The City, yeah. In, like, 2015, 2014, something mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is pretty good. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, I came back to that album, and I listened to it, and I was like, okay, this is getting better. And then I just kept listening to it over and over again. And basically, it's, like, it's hard to pick a genre on it. You could call it post-hardcore. You could call it emo. You could call it whatever. Yeah. But it's, it's a really unique album in that sphere of of music and it's very it's very hectic but it's also very like contemplative and it kind of slows down a little bit mm-hmm. like you have songs like I Love a Magician and Girl Clock which are just like going super fast and like letting all the emotions out at once and then you have like The City and the Spider in the Snow which yeah. is a lot, a lot more calm and a lot more down tempo um, yeah. and that whole album is pretty much just about loneliness it's just mm-hmm. about being sad in the city and like I liked it then, but now I'm 21, living on my own, like in a one-bedroom apartment, and so I'm listening to this album, and I'm just like, oh god, <laughs> like. Oh, you it, ever hear the Ice of Boston? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and, and, and like it, it's interesting because like the earlier stuff, like 
Eyes of Boston and the album that's off of is a lot crazier. And yeah. then the album after Emergency and Eyes is a lot cooler. Yeah. So it's it's a bridge between the two where it kind of mixes both the styles. Yeah, I got to give a shout out to Memory Machine on that record. I yeah, I love Memory Machine. That was kind of like a late recognition. Like I got it in this record in like 2014, but I only discovered Memory Machine like last year. So. No, Memory, Memory Machine is great. And that album has one of the best like rhythm sections I've heard on any album. Like yeah. the bass is on point, the drums are on point, and the mixing is great. And it's... Boy, that just gets me hot and bothered. Anything else? Um, not by me, Troy. Did you come up a little? Yeah, I want to give a quick shout out. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Kanye West and Yeezus. Yeah. Because I love sure. that album. No, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, we have listened to a lot recently. Mm. I really like, like the, um, the really like experimental take on hip-hop which i know it's been done before but i feel like he did it in such a way that were like very accessible like mm-hmm. pop songs using like the experimental hip-hop yeah no that definitely that that album definitely caught a lot of heat on release it got compared to death grips a lot and people were saying that like he was just cashing in on like the emerging like experimental hip-hop scene but i, I think that album is a little it's, it's a little more than that it's, it's like you said a lot more accessible it's in its own it's in its own wheels because i do really like i do really like that band also mm-hmm. but um this is really cool. Cool album. So I'm, I'm, just I'm mentioning <laughs> it. I'm not going to talk about it a lot. It's, it's an album that I get down to often. No, that's that's a good album. It's it's not my favorite Kanye album. Quick Kanye picks. I'm like registration. Oh, for favorite album? Yeah. Uh, my Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. You're on the clock, I Jacob. I don't have one. I'm actually going to like co with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. That's oh, yeah. probably okay. like my favorite. That's probably like my favorite it's when I when one. I'm not trying to listen to it for it being like a weird album. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, that that album is like completely deserving of all the hype. I think the only Ooh. the only issue I have. Whoa, what? <laughs> it's, it's a lot of hype. It's literally perfect hype. Ten out of ten. I think I think it's it's a nine out of, it's a nine point nine for me. And the you're only talking about Dark Twisted Fantasy yes. right now. What's what keeps it from being a ten? Uh, the production is kind of spotty sometimes. Mm. It's it's very like. And I'm not. I'm not talking about like the beats or the, anything like that. But like, it's very yeah. murky sometimes. Yeah. yeah, the the mixing, I guess, mm. would be more accurate. But that doesn't stop it from like yeah. reaching the level. Runaway is the best emo song ever written. <laughs> yeah. Cap and Jazz, who American football? Captain, who? No, no, no. Runaway. No, Runaway. I think Runaway is. I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but it's the best Kanye song, probably. It's one oh, of my that favorites. Is super hot. Is it's it? one. It's <laughs> one that I listen to often, also. Mm-hmm. I think. I like how he really he actually like kind of shows himself in that like he, that's the first album where he kind of like deprecates himself a little mm-hmm. bit and he's like wow I am kind of a bad person. Well, it, that that was like post like VMA scandal. He was yeah. like, starting uh, to realize it. It was it was the, it was the first time when he was almost like completely in a negative public light, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. like, it's like affecting him. A you, lot. you attribute that a lot to yeah. like uh, his his mom died. I think before eight oh eight heartbreaks. I think, mm-hmm. and then Amber Rose left him, or he broke up with Amber Rose, yeah. and then there was just a whole slew of emotions. And I think like I don't know. I'm I'm not one to psychoanalyze a celebrity, but I think Kanye definitely has like some issues with publicity and like mm-hmm. being in the public eye and that kind of thing. But I think that album like. Because he's not very well spoken, like not on a song, but I think that album does a good job of getting across his feelings. Hmm. But yeah. uh, you said "Runaway" being the best Kanye song is a hot take. What is like the that common? Might, I feel like that might actually not be a hot take. I feel like that's certainly a contender. My personal favorite, though, um, is either 
It's a three-way tie between Wii Major Celebration and Flashing Lights. So I don't mm. like Flashing Lights. Oh, Flashing Lights is so good. I like. I, I listened to it for a while when I first like kind of got into Graduation, but I think it's just like a decent song. I think uh, all of Graduation is kind of. Eh. It's just that Steely Dan sample. Boom. Was the Steely Dan sample? Yeah, um, they sample. Uh, I can't even remember. Kid Charlemagne on uh, some song. But anyway, yeah, that's Kanye talk. <laughs> it's Kanye cast. Welcome Leave your the, favorite the Kanye, Kanye to the and Weezer records in the comments. <laughs> we'll tell you why your opinion's wrong, which we can do, because guess what? We're on the podcast. <laughs> we make the rules. We make the rules. Um, Cher already shared his honorable mention. I uh, did. Jacob, do you have a quick shout-out to an album you want to talk about? No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Speak on that. I mentioned the only three albums I like ever. Wow. All right, cool. Yeah. Cool. There's no other good ones. All right, well... You know what time it is, listener. Yeah, it's about all. It's about a wrap right there. About, about a wrap. Wrap these headphones up and leave. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>